on, can we give it up for all of the dads in the house today? Come on, let's, we can do a little better than that. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Amen. Can y'all hear me okay? Can y'all hear me okay? No, for real. I, 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 I don't know what's different. It might be me, but I feel, uh, I just want to make sure y'all can hear me. I, I'm good if y'all are good. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Listen, I want to read uh, a couple of things, uh, or tell, actually, I want to tell you a couple of dad jokes. For all the dads in the house and for all of you as well, because um, nothing like a good celebration of Father's Day without a few dad jokes. Amen. So, so y'all bear with me here. Okay, no. Why shouldn't you play hide and seek with a mountain? Because mountains are always peaking. They, they peak. They, okay, all right, all right. This one's better. This one's better. This one's better. I only got two, so this one's much better. I expect five times the laughter on this one. Okay, all right. What do you get if you eat onions and beans? If you eat onions and beans, you get tear gas. <laughs> tear gas. Tear gas. Okay, all right. That was pretty good, right? You got to have a good, a good dad joke. Amen. One more time. Give it up for all the dads. I don't know if you saw the post that we put out. We put it out on the FWC Churches account, and uh, we, we blasted it out to all of our churches. Um, I believe it was Friday we put it out. Um, you know, dads are really critical, really critical to a child's um, development. Uh, especially, and, and this goes in all regards, but obviously today we're talking about living a life of faith, and we're talking about how, how dads fit in that. Now, I'm going to preach a message on faith that really deals with everybody, including dads, but for just a moment, I want to talk specifically to all the dads, because if you didn't see my post, it is astonishing the difference a dad makes in regards to how a child, child serves God, specifically in how a child attends church. So if a, if a mother and a father go to church together, the statistics are very high that a child uh, would attend. But if just a mom takes a, a child to church, now I don't know if these statistics, these are real statistics. I don't know if it has to do with a single mom or if the dad's sitting at home. I'm assuming it's the dad's sitting at home and the mom is taking them. I don't think it includes um, um, just a single mom situation where the mom is playing mom and dad. But if the dad's sitting at home, the mom's taking the kids to church, only 2% of the children in those families will attend church. Pretty sad, isn't it? But if the dad, if it's the opposite, if the dad takes them and the mom sits at home, it's 44%. 44%. Pretty critical. Pretty amazing how much. And the, and the all overall statistics came down to this, that if the dad's non-existent in the, in the, in the child's um, relationship with God. If the dad doesn't exist in that relationship, only one in 50 of those children will serve God. Pivotal. So you dads, listen to me. I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm, and again, I, I made my joke about those that are watching online, but whether you're watching online or whatever, but I'm glad because your children are paying attention and they pay attention to everything that we do. Amen. They pay attention to everything that we do, but they pay attention to how you serve God. They pay attention to how you worship. They pay attention to, to how, how, um, how much of a, a commitment you make to things, how much you're committed to your spouse, how much you're committed to your job. And they pay attention to how committed you are to God. 
Amen. So I want to thank you. I want to commend you once more. And uh, thank you to all the dads, all the men. You know, because we also have a lot of men here that um, you may not, maybe your, your children are grown. And now you're kind of playing a, a, a figure in the church or, or maybe in your community at your job where you're playing a father figure to men who need you. And so you may not even feel like a dad anymore to your own children, but yet you're a dad. And you're, and you're pivotal in, in how you serve God and people paying attention to you. Amen. So I know we've already said it, but one more time, can we give a big happy Father's Day? Thank you, men. Thank you for all that you do. All right. I'm going to get to my message today because I've got, I've got a lot I want to cover. And uh, we've got some giveaways and things we're doing. And uh, I know you want to celebrate uh, Father's Day with your family. And we have duck donuts as you're leaving today, so um, I'm, I'm excited about getting to that part. But before we get there, I really want to get to this. Will you just bow your heads and pray with me? We're going to pray before we go to the Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord. As we go to your Word today, as we continue talking about faith, God, I thank you that your Word comes alive in the hearts of every person within earshot, even those that are listening after the fact, listening to the podcast. Lord, I thank you that your word speaks to each and every person. Lord, that your revelation knowledge comes alive in us, that we hear something we haven't heard before, that your spirit makes us aware of an aspect of our relationship with you that we didn't have before, that we leave this message with a greater understanding and our our faith increased. Lord, I thank you for it. By faith, we receive it. And everybody shout out, amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is where we've been for the last few weeks. Of course, we had our special guest last week. If you missed uh, Reverend Mark Dunphy, you missed it. It was a wonderful, fantastic service. How many of you enjoyed Brother Mark Dunphy last week? Wasn't that great? He was awesome. And uh, I encourage you, maybe go back and watch that message if you didn't, um, if you weren't here. He was really, really incredible. I told the group Wednesday night, I told them, I said, you know, I expected brother Mark to come and leave a deposit in the church. I expected him to minister to the people. I expected every single person that came to be blessed. I expected that. I did. I I severely underestimated how much I personally would receive. It really blessed me. So I hope it blessed you as much as it blessed me. And uh, I'm sure we'll have him back soon. And I can't wait to do that. Are you there in Hebrews 11? All right. Three people are there. Are you there in Hebrews 11? Amen. All right, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do today. I was going back and forth on this, and I've just decided right now how I'm going to do the message today. Here's how we're going to do it. I have a message. Um, I guess you could call it, I have kind of two titles. Number one, the simple title is By Faith. Everybody say, By Faith. By faith. Now, if you were with us two weeks ago, I started down that road. I started dissecting Hebrews 11, and I all throughout the chapter, it starts almost every sentence or every story with the statement, By Faith. And we call this, or many uh, Bible historians and theologians call this chapter the Faith Hall of Fame. Because it covers people who did miraculous things and God moved mightily in their lives by faith. How many of you want to have God move mightily in your life? How many of you want to have God do miracles in your life and make uh, uh, make mountains move in your life? Well, in order to do that, you have to understand faith. Mark 11 tells us, that, be, that by faith or having the God kind of faith, we can speak to the mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and it'll be removed. Was God saying you can literally move mountains? Yes. 
I believe, I believe he is. I mean, I, I take God's word as literally as I can. And I believe that we can speak to any mountain in our life. Any immovable thing, anything that seems like, man, I don't think I'll ever, I'll be 91 day and that thing will still be there. No, that's the devil talking. God's word says that you can speak to any obstacle in your life and it has to move. Amen. 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 So that's what we're talking about is faith. And so this chapter covers it all. Here's what I'm going to do. My second title is this. I have 25 things that happen by faith. 25 things that happen by faith. But I wrote them all. God gave them all to me chronologically through the chapter. So as you read the chapter, it's not necessarily every verse, but I have 25 things that I pulled out of just Hebrews 11. So I wanted to also, though, kind of tie the message as much as I could today to fathers. It's Father's Day. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 17 through 25 today. And then next week or next opportunity I have, unless the Lord leads me otherwise, but we'll come back and I'll give you 1 through 16 at another time. All right? Now, if you're, if you're OCD and that's about to drive you crazy, you just do whatever numbering system you want. All right? You can, you can number it however you would like. But I'm going to start because I want to keep it in order. And so I almost pulled these out, but then I would have my number. My numbering system would be all messed up. So I'm going to start, um, first of all, going through the first couple of verses, and then we're going to jump to number 17 on my list. Amen? Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us the definition of faith. So I want to set this up because we have new people here today and people who didn't listen to my message a couple weeks ago. So briefly, what is faith? In order to talk about moving mountains and speaking to things and, and having uh, um, the aspects of my life change dramatically because I believe God, what is faith? Well, uh, we hear faith thrown around a lot. Well, what faith are you? What, in, in other words, I'm almost asking what religion are you? Are you a Christian? Are you of the Christian faith? I'm not talking about that. That's, that's faith in its most simplest form. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Or do you believe in, you know, if you're a Buddhist, do you believe in Buddha? If you're of, you know, Islam, do you, right? Muhammad, that's what they're asking. What faith, what do you believe in? Well, if you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ. And so if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have to believe in everything that's in his word that he gave us. And in everything that's in his word, he's explained to us in several different places, including Hebrews 11, how faith works. You have to understand how faith works. You have to understand how am I supposed to properly believe God? What does it look like for me to believe God? Now, this is uh, the, the, I believe this is the New King James, and I also want to look at another translation, but the New King James says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But look at this other translation. It says it this way. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and being convinced of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what I hope for and it's being convinced of what I do not see. Well, that makes sense if you think about God, right? Because I, I, we, we don't see God. Now you could say, well, I see God in the trees and I see God in, in, in my life. I see God in my kids. And that's all true. But you don't actually physically see God with your own eyes. We, by faith, you might sense God. I sense God all the time. I sense his spirit. But by faith, I see him. By faith, I know God exists. By faith, I know that God is who he said he is. As a matter of fact, if you look at Hebrews eleven six, what does it say? Without faith. It's impossible to please God. Now, I covered this in a lot of detail two weeks ago, so 
I can't get pulled off again or this will be the whole sermon today. But Hebrews 11.6, simply put, means this. I have to have two things working when I believe God by faith for anything. Number one, I have to believe that my source is God. If you read this verse, what does it say? In order to please God, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. Some people think, well, God's just, God's just happy with all of us. He's just happy with just everything you do. He's just ha- Actually, that's not true. In order to please God, I have to believe that he is, and I have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Which means, if you can take that second point, you can dissect it even further. Number one, I have to actually be seeking him. I have, to be, I have to have a relationship with God that's not just casually, once every four or five weeks I go to church, once every two or three weeks I pick up my Bible, once every two or four days I'll pray, just whenever I, I, no, I have an active relationship. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I have an active relationship where I'm pursuing God. Now, maybe it looks different for me than for you. Maybe I, I do have, I'm come to a point where I'm able to believe God for bigger things and I'm able to spend more time and pursue God at a different level. Maybe you just started serving God last week. Maybe last year you started coming to church and you just recently really made a commitment to God. Well, you're just trying to figure out, man, where do I start reading the Bible? Where, where do I, how, what does prayer look like? And so God's not judging where one is versus the other. Do you know what the Bible says? Man judges by the outward appearance. See, we get all caught up on, on, well, you know, if I see somebody say, well, they believe God for a car and God gave them a car. And you're just like, well, I'm trying to believe God for five bucks. I'm just trying to get through, uh, I, you know, I just want my next relationship to not tank in two years and waste two years of my life. I just want to be with the right person. I just want my kids to get good grades, right? I mean, some of us are believing for different things. See, men judge on the outward appearance. Well, what does the Bible say? God weighs things. He weighs our faith. He weighs our relationship with him. In other words, he cares more about what's on the inner man, what's inside of you. He knows our heart. And faith is a matter of the heart. Faith is a matter of how, what is my relationship with God like? Because out of that relationship will determine how much I can believe him for something. I'm going to say that again. My relationship with God is the core of my faith. Because how much I can believe God for something depends on how much I know him. The more I know God, the more I know I can count on him. The more I know I can believe him. The more I know how he works. The more I know how he's going to get me from A to B and eventually to Z. The more I know that the plan that he has for my life that I want. How many of you want to be in the plan of God? Amen. You want to be, you want to be in the will of God. Well, well, the more you read his word, the more you pray, the more you spend time with him, the more you pray in the spirit, the more you build up your spirit, the less you do of worldly stuff and the more you spend with him, you'll, you'll get a greater understanding of, okay, here's where I'm supposed to be. Here's how I'm supposed to step in with that. Here's how I'm supposed to move forward and God will move with, he'll move you faster. It'll seem easier. It'll seem lighter because he's doing it with your, your, you're believing in him and he's doing it. That's really what's happening. If you read the Bible, that's what it says all the time. It says, oh, well, well, God will take us from glory to glory and we'll preach it. We'll sing it into some of the songs we sing. And then many of us sit back and say, well, where's my glory? Feels like I'm going from valley to valley. Feels like I'm going lower and lower. Well, how much are you actively believing God? Where is your faith at? If faith is the substance of what you're hoping for, are you just hoping or can you have the confidence? Do you have the confidence 
that what I don't see, I already have. Because that's faith. Will you put that back up in that second translation, Hebrews 11.1? 1? It's the confidence. The King James says evidence. So it's, it's as if you have a receipt. I told them this on Wednesday night. We had a great prayer meeting Wednesday night. And I told them this on Wednesday night. We ordered the duck donuts we're going to have. Well, on Wednesday night, we didn't have them. They weren't here. I was telling everybody, hey, duck donuts. Man, it's going to be great. It's the Father's Day. The Father's Day dozen is awesome. It's, oh, can't wait. You ever had duck donuts? I'm telling everybody. Duck donuts, you ever had them? Oh, they're awesome. They're fantastic. Best donuts ever. They're nowhere in sight. They haven't even made them yet. They haven't even thawed the ingredients. It's Wednesday. Days in advance. But I had a receipt. My wife ordered them. She sent me and emailed me the receipt. I have it in my inbox. I know that they're coming. I know that Duck Donuts are going to be here on Sunday. And today we have them. But I had a natural faith that Duck Donuts were coming on Wednesday. You have to uh, uh, get to that place in your life where you're believing God for things and you have the assurance, the confidence that what I'm hoping for, I actually already have. So what I want to do by going through these 25 things, I want to actually outline for you these examples of what faith does, because I think if you understand what faith does, or in other words, by faith, I can live my life like this. By faith, I can do these things. By faith, I can, I can see these results. You'll have a greater understanding of how you can believe God. Because your, your relationship with God, if I, if I have no relationship with my wife, how can I have any trust she's going to be a good mom? How can I have any trust she's going to be a, a good wife? How can I have any trust? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know her. I know what she's going to do. I know I, and God is much more reliable than any personal relationship you have. If you feel confident, and I don't raise your hands, but I mean, think about it. How many of you have somebody you're really confident? Like if you broke down the side of the road, you're calling that person. It might be somebody's dad. Speaking of Father's Day, probably going to call your dad. Man, I don't know what to do. And this thing broke. And how can you come get me? You're probably going to call that person. If you can count on somebody in the natural that much, then when you, when you come up against something in your life, the way you believe God to get through that thing will determine the, the way he's able to move. Because he is tied to our faith. He's boxed, him, he's boxed himself. He said, oh, no, it's impossible for me to even be pleased if you don't believe me. You have to believe in me, that I'm here, that I'm available to you, and that I reward you if you seek me. Now, if you seek me with that attitude, then I can reward you. If you seek me with that faith, then I can reward you. And everybody in this chapter, all 25 of these points are going to cover just that. Are you ready? All right, so I'm not going with number one. I'm going with number 17, all right? We're going to hit number one through 16 later, and this is the most unorthodox, crazy thing I think I've ever done in any of my sermons, but it's going to work. Amen. Number 17, by faith, I overcome fear. Look at verse, uh, so we're in Hebrews 11. Look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid. Everybody say not afraid. 
They were not afraid of the king's command. Think about everything Moses did. Everything that, that hinges on our, our whole understanding of the Jews and, and, and how, I mean, their freedom came because Moses was a man after God's heart. He separated himself. If you go on and you read the next few verses, he separated himself from the Egyptians. But it all started with his parents saying, we're not afraid. And so by faith, being not afraid of, of what's around them, they separated Moses out. Now look at this. The Bible says they live by faith and not by, not by sight. Not by sight. We're supposed to live by faith and not by sight. In other words, what I see will deter me from my faith. So you'll hear different preachers say different things about what is the opposite of faith. And really, they're all saying the same thing. So what is the opposite of faith? See, sometimes knowing the opposite of something will help you understand what faith is. Well, let's just go with that verse. If I walk by faith and not by sight, what's the opposite of faith? One could say sight. Another person will say the opposite of faith is fear. Sight, in my opinion, is what produces fear. Because if I walk by faith and not by sight, then I'm choosing to put on my faith goggles and see things through the assurance of God's word. So if God's word says, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed, then my natural sight is going to show me the doctor's report that says I'm not. Do you see? Right? And so what comes from that? Then when I read the doctor's report with my eyes, then comes in doubt. Then comes in fear. Then comes in worry. Then comes in anxiety. And all these things have been attributed as opposites of faith. Well, they all spur, in my opinion, from sight. Because if I, see, if I can just say, no, I know I see that. I know the doctor's report was handed to me. I know what it says. I read it. I cried. I know. I know. But by faith, I see God's word and I see my healing. What does God's word say? By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. That means healing was provided for me thousands of years ago when Jesus died. So healing is mine. And I receive that today. I have the assurance, the confidence. I have the printed receipt, so to speak, by faith. Do you see what I'm saying? So by faith, I overcome fear. By faith, Moses overcame fear. Look at this. If you go down a little bit further, near verse 27, because that was when he was a kid. Look at verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What is it saying? That Moses saw God and said, I choose to serve God more than I choose to serve this king. He was not afraid. He chose to not be afraid. Obviously, he could see the king. Obviously, he could see the surroundings. Obviously, he could see the options that were available to him. He was raised by Egyptians. That's who raised him. I don't have time to go into the whole story of Moses, or I won't get into any of my other points, but you've got to know, Moses had all the options in the world. And he knew what would happen if I try to separate myself from them. This is potentially really bad for me, yet I choose by faith to not be afraid. I choose by faith to not fear. Some of you, especially us dads, we don't talk about fear. We, we don't want to put out fear because we don't want our family to know we're concerned. We don't want our family to know we have, we have some doubts or we have some issues about, oh, I don't, I don't actually know how next month's payments are going to get paid. And I don't know how this is going to happen. And I don't know. And so we, we 
as men, sometimes what will happen is, is we decide, okay, well, instead of allowing us to work through this thing by faith and talk it out and pray it out with my spouse and, and allow these things to get worked out, we bottle it all up inside and just try to fix it all. We try to just fix it all in the natural. And if I just work a little harder and I just do a little bit more and I just make this. And if we do that, if we're not careful, men, if I could just talk to the dads for just a second. If we're not careful, men, you will ruin the potential of God to do anything because you're trying to do it all yourself. You're trying to fix it all yourself. God has to work through you, but you have to. Your job, our job is to believe in him. Our job is to trust in him. Our job is to say, "Okay, God. I know you've got this. I, I know you've got this. Now, I'm not saying, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. I do think it's wise how we present things to our wives. I do think it's wise how we present things, especially if you have young kids, if you're going through something tough. I do think it's wise. But make sure everything's founded on, settled on faith in God. He's going to get us through this. He's going to get us through this. But you have to, you have to um, I, I, there's a phrase that's going around a lot that I hear a lot that I kind of like. It's called hot, right? Humble, open, and transparent. And I think it's important to do that, to be humble, open, and transparent. But you can't do that to the point that then doubt and fear overtake. Does that make sense? So being humble, open, and transparent does not push me to the point that, okay, well, now I'm not going to believe God at all because I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with doubt and insecurities and I don't know how it's all going to happen. And there, well, there just must not be any way. No, there is a way. There, there is always a way. God always has a way. God will make a way where there is no way. Moses, Moses, because he started his life by not being in fear, eventually walked through a flipping sea. With the walls of water standing up beside him. And walked through with his head held high. With a couple million people in tow behind him. And with the enemy behind them. On their horses and chariots. And he got all his millions of people across the land. And turned around and watched God fold the waters back on his enemy. Because faith does things that are impossible. Faith does things that everybody else will think is crazy. Faith does things that everybody else would wonder, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make it through? And how are you going to know? Because I'm living by faith. And my insecurities and the problems and issues that I have, the doubts or whatever that are creeping in, I'm going to attack those with all of my tenacity and make sure that my life is not founded on doubt and unbelief and the things that I see with my natural eyes. My life, my relationship with God, my family, my, 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 my fatherhood, everything that's in my life is founded on this word and my faith in God. And he will see me through. He will see me. He will make sure that I don't fail. Amen? Amen. amen. Say it better, amen. amen. Number 18. By faith, I refuse to associate with evil. By faith, I refuse to associate with evil. I told you a lot of this is going to tie into us as uh, leaders of our household, to, to the dads. But again, if you're a single mom, and you're playing the role of mom and dad, so to speak. If you have, ch- let me just say this. If you have kids, make a stark difference in your household. Evil is as far away from what we do as a family. And we're on this side. A clear definition 
Don't try to muddle. Well, I mean, you know, if, if I just drink a little bit, if I just smoke a little bit, if I just do a little bit, I, it frustrates me when I see Christians. I'm talking about Christians, real people that actually love God, believe God, and they try to see how close can I get to, to, to evil and still be a Christian? How much sin can I do and still be saved? I want you to read the scripture. Ready? Look at Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused. Everybody say refused. refused. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Look at that. He's choosing. Everybody say it's a choice. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming, so in other words, he saw more valuable the reproach of Christ that it had greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. What reward? The reward of what God was going to do in his life. The greatest decisions I've made in my life is making a clear decision. No, I'm not doing that anymore. When I left college, I, I, many, some of you know my story and I don't have time to go into all of it, but, but I, I went to college. Let me back up. In high school, served God, went to church, did all those things. Towards the end of my high school run, uh, picked up some friends and some influence that kind of pointed me in a direction that made me curious about some things. I get to college and I start checking out parties, start checking out all that kind of stuff. I wasn't a bad kid at all. But I, but I started doing what I'm telling you, encouraging you not to do. How, how close can I get to that and still be the good Christian boy I was in high school? How, how much can I... Is, is this okay? Do I still feel safe? And what happened over the first couple years of college is my foundation that I had that I left high school with because not only was I doing all those things, I wasn't going to church regularly, hardly ever, which means no one was encouraging me and imploring me to pray. So therefore, I didn't pray much at all. Every once, every once in a while before a really hard test, amen? Got to get a, sneak a little prayer in. All of a sudden, I got saved before I had to take that big final. Huh. Heavenly Father, help me, Jesus. I know I missed 32 days of class and I didn't pay attention or take any notes, but help me pass, Jesus. <laughs> it's true. It's, uh, sadly, it's true. You know, I, the foundation that I had just whittled away. Just whittled away. Just, 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 just slowly. And, and that's kind of how Satan works, right? Is it's just like this slow, just, just the foundation crumbles and all of a sudden you realize, man, I'm standing on nothing. I, 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 and then when the real, real stuff starts to happen, when real things start to hit the fan and you're going, what? Now the foundation's gone. And I remember halfway, about halfway through my college career going, man, I, I am on a trajectory for demise in my life. And had a couple encounters with God. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Went home um, to Florence and worked at Family Worship Center. Just, just things that God, I know God orchestrated. And I know it's because of people that were praying for me. People that were believing for me because my faith was zilch. People that were, 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 were extending their faith to me and praise God, I made a decision. 
I made a choice. I remember going back to school and having to tell those friends or what I thought were friends, no, y'all have fun tonight. No. And again, I'm not saying I was a perfect kid, but I made a decision. I made a Moses by faith. I made a decision. I refuse to be associated with evil. And it took those last couple years of college. And then eventually, man, when I, when I left college, I was, because, I mean, everybody, the, the thing was to go back to football games and still party and go back to that, that whole, it was like it just carried over into, like, I, I, made, I changed my phone number. I, I, just, I just separated myself, separated myself from, from, from people that were great people, people I loved. But I just made a decision. I've got a call on my life and something that God's, and I'm, this is not just for pastors. This, I didn't even know I was going to be a pastor. I just, I just wanted to love Jesus. Like, I had no idea. I'm not lying to you. I had no idea I was called to be a pastor. No, I had no desire to do what I'm doing today at that moment. I just wanted to serve God. I did not ever want to go back to those moments of looking at the foundation of my life and saying, I've got literally nothing to believe on. I mean, a few verses that I heard Pastor Steve quote through the years that I could try to quote, but what do they even mean to me? Some of you have done that. Y'all have heard me get up here and just quote scripture and quote scripture and quote scripture and you come up to a position and a place in your life and you go to quote that scripture and what does it even mean to you? Do you actually even know what that scripture means? Do you actually even, do you have a revelation in your heart that, okay, when I quote this scripture, it's not just some phrase that I saw tweeted on Twitter and I think it's great and so I'm going to try to believe God and stand on that. No, I know God. And my separation from the evil things in life and the enticing things, and I love how it says there, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Those things, by pushing those things to the side, I'm pushing myself. What I'm actually doing is pushing myself. Let Let me flip it. Let me make it personal with you. What we're doing, what we are doing when we push away from all that and we separate ourselves from all that, what we're doing is we're pushing ourselves into a relationship with Jesus Christ with God our Father, that when we need to stand on a word, we actually know it. We actually have a foundation. The Bible talks about how the, 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 the two people that build uh, houses, one builds it on rock, one builds it on sand. Well, what's happened? The one that builds it on rock, when the waves come, it stands. The one who builds it on sand, it just washes the foundation away. If you try to see how much of the world can I have and still be saved, If you do that, I'm not just talking to dads anymore, I'm talking to everybody. If you do that, it's like your foundation's on sand and it'll just erode away until nothing's left. So what are we going to do instead? We're going to have a foundation built on the Word. Amen? We're going to have a foundation built on the promises of God. Hebrews 11.6 says, by faith, or says this, sorry, without faith it is impossible to please God, but I must know that God is who He said He is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everybody say this. Say, I will seek the Lord. I will stand on his promises. I will believe in him. My faith is in the one who has all the solutions. And he will see me through. He will make sure I don't waver. Amen. All right, so what are we going to do? Faith connects you with God's people, and disconnects you from Satan's. When you choose to live a life by faith, this is what we're saying, by faith. So when I choose to live a life by faith, what am I doing? I'm walking by faith and not by sight. And by doing that, I'm, I'm disconnecting from Satan's people and connecting to God's. 
I separate myself by faith. I'm not worried about what other people think. You've got to, you've got to get, you have to relieve yourself of any type of wondering, well, what if they think this? Who cares? You have one person, one entity, one being to make happy, and that is God, your Father. Make him happy. How do you make him happy? By faith. How do you please him? By faith. I don't care if Bob doesn't like me and, and Jenna from work doesn't like us anymore because I used to go with her. And I, I mean, I wouldn't really drink, but I just would kind of be around. And when they would gossip, I mean, I would laugh or whatever. Draw a line. I don't do that anymore. I'm not associated with that anymore. I love them. I will try to witness to them. I'm not saying to cut off all communication. There were some relationships I wish I would have not cut so hard because I probably could have been a witness. But I drew a clear line, and I do not apologize for that, and will never, because I, I, I know what it did for my life. I know the wife I have today, because she was not attracted to some slimy, half in, half out, riding the fence kind of guy. I got a good wife, because God gave me a wife that was looking for a man after God's own heart, someone that's going to serve and lead her family. That's what she was looking for, and that's what she found. I'm not, again, I'm not... I'm not saying I was perfect, and I'm still not perfect, but I, I made a decision. This is where I'm going. Um, um, all right, number 19. Number 19, by faith, I fix my eyes on God's reward. By faith, I fix my eyes on God's reward. This will help every person in here if you get this today. This will change your life. Verse 26. So what did Moses do? So I just read everything there. He separated himself. He distinguished himself. He, he, he said, I'm not going to be with that. But then look at verse 26. He esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked. Everybody say he looked. He looked, he looked to the reward. Now, think about what we discussed earlier. Faith is the assurance of what I've hoped for and the confidence of what I do not see. So how was Moses looking to the reward? How was he looking? Everybody say it. By faith. By faith is how he was looking. By faith is how he was focused on the reward. By faith, he knew God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. God has called me and separated me. And so I'm going to focus my eyes on the reward. I'm going to focus my eyes on the future God has for me. By faith, I'm going to say, I know right now my life may be whatever, but by faith, I see where it's going. By faith, I have no, and now it starts with the hope. I, I believe that today, if you're in here and you have, you're like so far gone, today you will leave with a hope. I have a hope. I have a hope that I, now what you have to do is attach the belief in God's word to that hope to let God carry you to the fruition of those promises. Amen? All right. Now, if you're in here today though and you're saying, okay, well, how do I grow my faith? How do I increase my faith? Continue to develop that relationship with God. And here's what God will do. He'll just drop in your heart. Here's the next thing for you. Here's the next thing for your family. Here, here's, what's, here's where I want to take you. And then he'll expand your vision. When Abraham, back when God first told him, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Now, we didn't talk about Abraham much today, but he's like all throughout this chapter 11. And we're going to cover him a lot. But what God did, if you go back and read Genesis... God brought him out, took him out, and he said, I want you to look as far as you can see. I want you to look east, west. I want you to look. I want you to look. I want you to look all around. I'm giving you all this land. 
So God took him in a place where Abraham needed a vision. Habakkuk says that without any uh, vision, the people perish. We, we have to have a vision. You have to have a vision for your life. Now, men, fathers, it's part of our job to give our family a vision. And your vision today may be what I just said in the last point. We're separating ourselves. We're making some decisions. Or maybe you're, 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 uh, um, you need to seek the Lord a little bit and pray and fast some and say, God, I feel like we're just, our family's just coasting. You're not meant to coast. You're meant to be climbing. You're meant to be going further. You're meant to be going higher. When what way you're talking? Every way. God wants you to increase spiritually. God wants you to increase in your health and in your body. God wants you to increase naturally. He wants you to grow and gain wisdom and gain knowledge. God wants you to increase financially. God wants every aspect of your life to increase. Y'all ever see, I mean, we're we're a a younger congregation, so most of us are familiar with the, the 100 emoji. Y'all ever see that? That came because people would have the phrase, you know, keeping it 100, keeping it, keeping it at, at, at max capacity. God wants your life at 100. He doesn't want you operating at 90. He doesn't want you operating at 60. I don't know where you're operating at today, but get a vision. Ask God for a vision. Grow your vision. Ask God, God, show me where you're taking me so that I can then apply my faith to that thing. Then you have to keep the vision in front of you. Then you have to keep it. That, that verse in Habakkuk says that they, um, they, they that have no vision, that you're basically you're running without, what are you running a race for if you have no vision? So they said, write the vision down and make it plain so those that run with it can run. Write it down. When God gives you something, he speaks something in your heart, write it down. You know what? I want to I add a point to that. When you're in a service like this, there's an anointing in here. What that means is there's a presence of God that's dealing with each and every one of us. Even on me as the pastor, that's what I, I want to preach under an anointing. I want to preach under, I don't want to just come up with a good sermon and just give you some good points. I have great points. If I don't get to all my points and I don't get to point 25, I don't care. What I want is the spirit of God and the anointing of God to speak through me to you. Now, when that happens, you will, you will get things from God and write things down. Hopefully, I'm praying you're do this that are going, they're going to stretch your faith. God will drop something in your heart and you're like, really? You want to, you want to do that? Like, 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 I, let me, I'm trying to not use too many of my examples, but last week when I was sitting right there with Miss Stephanie sitting and he gave, um, Brother Mark Duffy gave me a word about real estate and all that. In the natural, I'm thinking, bro, do you know what the market is right now? Do you know what things are, Right? So, so what happens is under the anointing, you're like, oh, yeah, baby, we got this. God's taking me here. He's going to be, I pray. you're ready to jump, bounce off the walls, punch a hole in the wall, whatever. You're ready to flip chairs. I'm, God's got this. Woo, yeah. Then you get out on Monday and you're like, what's that really, God? I mean, re- I mean, I mean you start reasoning with yourself. You start, you start trying to figure out, I mean, really? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I want to encourage you. When God gives you a vision, Write it down, put it in places, put it in in, and semen it in your heart. If it came from God and it lines up with his word, that's just the easiest way to know. If you ever wonder, well, how did God, do I know if God spoke to me? If it lines up with his word, then it did. Then that was God. Because God's not going to say something contradictory to his word. And he wants to stretch you and grow you. And so when you start doubting it, don't let Satan pull you back down to a place of unbelief. Stay in a place of faith. By faith, 
by faith, I fix my eyes on God's reward. Amen? Satan's, uh, Satan's stuff seems less alluring when you're full of faith. Satan's, the things that he tempts you with seem less alluring when you're full of faith. How do you keep yourself full of faith? Keep yourself full of the word. Romans 10, 17. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So the more you hear, there are, there are times in my life where when, when, I, when I know the devil's tempted me to doubt him, I listen to the most preaching I ever listen to. I will put my AirPods in and listen to it on repeat. Good faith preaching. I mean, pre- preaching that makes me like... I keep joking about it, but I'm being serious. There are some sermons, man, I put them on because I, when, I, when, I, when that sermon finishes, I'm ready to jump over this building. I'm supercharged by faith. And when I'm full of faith, any temptation of the devil to doubt God is so far from me. And when I start feeling myself creep back towards that, I build my faith back up. Not just listening to preaching, my own personal study. Doing this study, my faith is, my faith is through the roof. Because I've been, I mean, I'm reading everything, ingesting everything I can on faith. Amen? All right, let's keep going. For, uh, number 20, by faith, I protect my family from evil. By faith, I protect my family from evil. Hebrews eleven twenty eight. By faith, he kept the Passover. This is still talking about Moses. By faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. What was happening? The, the final plague was coming through. It, the, 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 it was sweeping through there. And God told them, if you take, um, um, uh, sacrifice a lamb, you put the blood over the door, God will save your, your firstborn child. But everyone who doesn't do it, every Egyptian family, their firstborn's going to die. Their firstborn son's going to die. So well, what did they do? Now think about how crazy they had to be. Millions of, 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 of Hebrews running around the city, getting animals, slaying them, and putting blood on the doorpost. That's stuff you do by faith. That's stuff you do when God tells you to do something. This is why I'm telling you, you have to sep- part of the point about separating yourself is so that when you get to where you've got to do something that looks a little crazy to everybody else, let me tell you, it's only crazy until it works. Mo, not Moses, Noah looked like an idiot until it started raining. It's only crazy until it works. Believe God by faith. So by faith, I can protect my family from evil. Number 21, by faith, I do what no one else can do. By faith, I do what no one else can do. Verse 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith, I can do things that no one else can do. By faith, I'll get the job that no one else will get. By faith, I'll get the promotion that they said will never happen. By faith, I'll get the car when it seems like the car market's crazy and all that. By faith, I'll get the house at a discount because God will show me how to do it. By faith, I'll get healed when it seems like there is no healing available. By faith, I'll have peace when it seems like the whole world's upside down. I can do what, when I say this, I'm talking about people that aren't of faith. People that aren't serving God. The stuff that the world's doing, that it's, it's just, it, you're, I'm not, I'm distancing myself from them and I'm putting myself in position that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. If you can just believe, if you can just have faith, 
If you can just say, no, I know, I know it's crazy. I know what it looks like. I know how it feels. I know what is, is draining you and pulling you down. But stay up on the mountain of faith, baby. Stay up there because God will see you through. His promises are yes and amen. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be beloved. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. He wants you to prosper and be in health. He wants you to be spiritually full of faith and full of him. Hallelujah. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to allow myself to get pulled down back into to a, a, a place of doubt and unbelief. Check this out, verse 20, I'm not verse, number 22. By faith, actually, I'm going to read the verse, then I'll give you 22. Ready? Verse 30. By faith, now this is switching stories, switching a little bit later to, to uh, Joshua and the walls of Jericho. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Many of us know the story, right? They were told what to do. Hey, you got to walk Six days, then on the seventh day, walk seven times. And then when you walk around the seventh time, do the shout, what happens? Talk about, that's another story. Talk about looking dumb. I, I just imagine the people of Jericho up on the walls going, well, here they are again on day three. How long have they been doing this? I could see the news articles. Idiots from foreign land are walking around our massive walls. These walls, y'all, if you don't know, they had chariot races on top of the walls. That's a two-lane, at least a two-lane highway. Imagine if Clipson Road was up 45 foot tall. And it's not like they had like, like technology like we had today. It's solid rock. Solid stone. Just march around it. Number 22. By faith... I shout in victory as God wins my battles. I, I shout in victory. One of the things that will help keep, in, keep you in faith is praising God. What they, what they were doing was not just a shout. It was a shout of victory or a shout of praise. In other words, they were shouting in advance of what they knew God would do. Every time they, they, they blew the trumpets, every time they played the, the music, every time they shouted to God, it was a shout of praise. It was a victory shout. You have to go through life, and now some of the points we're going to cover later that we, that we skipped today are points on confession, but this is a little bit different than just confessing. This is a shout. This is a, my God's going to see me through. I, I, are you saying to literally shout? Yes, I'm saying literally sometimes, and if, you, if you're going to be embarrassed or whatever, get in your car when no one else is around and just let out a good Holy Ghost shout. Just let out a good go, Hallelujah. God, I thank you that what I see around me when I get out of this car is not going to be what I'm going to see next week. That you're going to turn this situation around. God, I praise you that you're coming through. God, I thank you that everything's flipping around. God, I, sometimes you just need to let out a good, God, I thank you. Why don't y'all do it right now? Say, God, I thank you. God, I praise you. You say, hallelujah. Amen. Ready? Let's finish this up. So number 22, I shout in victory as God wins my battles. 23. I distinguish myself from my past by following God's word. So by faith, I distinguish myself from my past by following God's word. Look at Hebrews 11.31. By faith, harlot, the harlot Rahab, did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Look at this other translation. By faith, Rahab, 
the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute, in the same chapter as Abraham, in the same chapter as Sarah, in the same chapter as Moses, the same chapter as the walls of Jericho and Joshua, the same chapter, the very next verse after the walls of Jericho, Rahab the prostitute. How would you like to be mentioned in the Bible with your whole past? Because there's a whole great story after Rahab, after this moment. But the past is defining who, which Rahab, which Rahab are we talking about? Oh, the prostitute. But notice her story. Well, let me finish the verse. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped the destruction of the disobedient because she welcomed the spies in peace. She escaped the destruction of the disobedient. Before entering the land that was west of the Jordan, Joshua sent out two spies. All right, so to catch you up real quick, two spies, he sends out the two spies. They get into the city, they go in, and they see Rahab. They stay, end up staying there at Rahab's house. The king finds out, King of Jericho finds out, hey, there's two spies in here, I want them dead. He goes to Rahab's home, finds out they were there, says, hey, what are you doing? She's witty enough, smart enough to come up with a story, tells them, here's the story, here's where they are. She's got them hit up on the roof. She goes up on the roof and tells them, you've got a little bit of time. I'm going to let you out of here. And she gives them a plan of action. But she says this, save my family. Save my, my, she lists everybody in your home, says, save my family. I saved you, save my family. Now, what's, what most people don't know and what's really not totally outlined if you read all the scripture is how all this came about. If you go back and you read the Old Testament, you can really get the full, I'm saying it's not there in Hebrews 11, but if you go back and read the Old Testament, you can get the full scripture. You know why she did that? She's, in a, she's a prostitute because she's in a society that's pulled her in and has locked her into that, to that culture. Just like many of us feel locked in, well, I was born into that. I was married into this, or I was whatever. And we feel locked into, well, this is all I know to be. This is all I know how to do. But the thing about Rahab is she listened. And I don't know if it was from all the men who were coming through or what was happening. I don't know how she got all her information, but the Bible tells us that she had a knowing, that she heard. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. She heard story after story of God's chosen people and how they defeated the Egyptians, how God broke them free. And we actually find out from Rahab that Jericho was petrified of the Hebrews. She's the one that lets the spies know, not only can you take the city, but the whole city is scared to death of you. Because 40 years ago, you walked out of Egypt, of slavery, walked through a sea on dry land, the sea ate up your enemy, and we've been scared of you ever since. Now see, all we see all the, the other millions of Hebrews, all they see, what do they see? They see the walls. But inside the walls are scared people. And Rahab lets them know they're scared. They're scared to death. They're scared of you. And she says, I know. Listen, you got to go back and you read the story. Because Rahab told the two spies, I know that your God is the only God. I know that he's the one that will save me. And if you've got to get me out of this. I saved you. She didn't save them because she was all of a sudden some just nice little, nice little person. She realized 
She recognized who they were. They came in her home, and she said, this is how God's going to break me out of here. By faith. And when God gives you a way out, you've got to walk that thing out by faith. And the spouse told her, okay, here's what we're going to do. You need to put something out your window. You need to put a, a scarlet rope so we know who to save, and we'll save your house. And they give her clear instructions. She helps them out. They help her out. The city falls, and all that stuff happens, and Rahab and her family are saved. Then, out of Rahab's lineage comes Boaz, Ruth, and eventually Jesus Christ. By faith. So don't ever think, well, what the situation that I'm in, well, I can't. No, no, you can do it. Ready? By faith, 24. I'm going to finish these last two and we're going to go. Ready? Come on up, band, so I'll finish. Ready? 24. Number 24, by faith, I can fulfill my destiny. By faith, I can fulfill my destiny. And 25, that's uh, verses Hebrews 11, 32 through 34. But 25, I'm going to end on this one. Ready? By faith, dead things come back to life. Hebrews 11.35 says this, women receive their dead raised to life again. Luke 18.27, nothing is impossible with God. Mark chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. John chapter 11, what happened to Lazarus? Jesus walked up to Lazarus and said, hey, Lazarus, come out. By faith, women had their dead brought back to life. And I believe wholeheartedly the reason everything outlined in that chapter is on purpose. Everything that God put in his word, he put on purpose. Not one, the Bible tells us that not one dot or tittle is out of place in the Bible. You know what that means? There are two pieces of, 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 of Jewish writing called, it's the two smallest. It's like the equivalent of an, a period and an apostrophe, but they're even smaller. It's called a jot and a tittle. And God tells us that not one jot or tittle, in other words, not the smallest piece of God's word is out of place. Which means on purpose, right next to Abraham and Moses and Jericho and Rahab, he says that the dead things in your life will come back. The barren things in your life, the areas of your life that aren't producing anymore, they will produce by faith. When you believe in God, when you trust in God, when you say, no, I know what the world told me, I know what the banker told me, I know what my dad told me, I know what my history told me, I know what in the last 25 years of my life have told me, but by faith I see it different now. By faith I see where God's taking me. By faith I see where it's going. And dead things are coming back to life, amen? Dead things are coming back to life. What was no more will be more. What was less will be again. What was down will be up, amen? Did you get anything out of this today? Did you receive something from God today? Everybody stand. I want to do this before we leave. I know